The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Father, we thank you for who you are and for what you do and for how you move in and through our lives. I pray, God, that you would be honored today as you um, come into our midst through your Holy Spirit and you speak to us. May we listen to you and may we do more than just listen. May we apply what we hear. Uh, May our hearts be full of gratitude for you and who you are. Uh, We thank you, Lord, for this country, for the blessings that you poured upon it. We ask, Jesus, that, that we would seek you first above all else and give you all the honor and the glory. Come and speak to us now. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, if this is your first time with us, so I, I just said a bunch of stuff that you may not be tracking with. We, we walk verse by verse uh, through books of the Bible. This is the book of Ruth. I, I want to just take two minutes and recap the whole thing. Okay, so just this is where we've been in the last seven weeks. The book of Ruth is a beautiful, beautiful piece of literature. It's a beautiful story. It's a love story. It's a story of a family that lived in Bethlehem. And the father of the family, Elimelech, he sees that there's a famine in Bethlehem. And he goes, they've got food in Moab. 75 miles away or so, then they, he decides to take his family and go to Moab, even though people who are followers of God are not supposed to go to Moab. Moab is a pagan country, a cursed country, but he takes them there because otherwise his family is going to starve to death. When he gets there, he has two sons. His two sons both find Moab wives, Moabite wives. You're not supposed to do that either, according to the law of God, but, but they do so, and they marry, and Malon marries Ruth, Okay, and so Ruth is entered into this story. He's, she's one of the brother's wives. Now, Kilion, the other son, he marries Orpah. They live in Moab for 10 years. Somewhere in the process of living there, though, both the sons die. Elimelech, the father, dies. You've got Naomi, the mother, and the widow wife, sitting there with two daughters-in-law, going, what are we supposed to do? It's, it's really a hopeless point that she's at. It's a broken point that she's at. And so after they hear that there's food in Bethlehem, she's like, I, I'm going back. I, I can't stay here. You, you stay, find new husbands, live your life, be blessed. I, I'm going back. Ruth says, no, where you go, I'll go. Your people are gonna be my people. Your God's gonna be my God. I think Ruth has had a conversion experience. I think she is now a follower of God. And she's like, I, I'm going with you. I know I might have better luck here, but I, I want to be with you. They go back when they arrive. It is just as Naomi expected. It's bleak. They have no one to look after them. They have no way to provide for themselves. So Ruth goes out into the field. She's going to pick some barley, do something just to have a meal for that day. She wanders literally into the field of Boaz. Turns out that Boaz is a close relative. He can be a kinsman redeemer. God journeys with Ruth through this entire process. She's found and given favor by Boaz. Boaz provides for her and Naomi. Boaz wants to take Ruth in, wants to redeem her, but there's another, there's one who's closer, a closer relative. And so last week we saw that Boaz had to check all that out, make sure that this other redeemer doesn't want Ruth. And when it's all said and done, Boaz, all on the up and up, all out of love and all out of desire to make sure that Naomi and Ruth are taken care of, he is awarded Ruth. And that's where we pick up now. That's where we pick up now in Ruth chapter four, starting in verse 12. Now, I wanna say one thing before we dive in. Ruth's gonna have a baby in this passage, okay? We don't learn the baby's name until verse 17, 
okay? But the baby's name is Obed, okay? So I just want you to know that because I'm going to refer to Obed a lot and you're like, well, how do you know the name? Because I read ahead, okay? Verse 17, we find out the name. We're starting in verse 12, so I'm just gonna, that's how I know the name. It's in verse 17. I just want you to know that. Um, verse 12, through the offspring of, the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. Now, I stopped in verse 11 last week. I want you to know that verse 11 and verse 12 go together. The people that are speaking in verse 12 are the elders at the town gate. Okay, these are the upright men who govern the city of Bethlehem. Once the transaction is complete, where we know that Boaz is going to redeem Ruth, they start to prophesy and praise all that is happening here. And in verse 11, they go so far as to say, Ruth, we hope you become as famous as Rachel and Leah, the matriarchs of the Israelites. We hope you become as famous as her. We hope that you have multiple children and that those children are blessed beyond belief and that the world is ultimately blessed through them. They go way, way, way deep into praising Ruth and Boaz and blessing their future family. And verse 12 is just a continuation of that, but it's a little bit more obscure. Boaz, we hope you're like Perez. We hope that you are like Perez. So, so who is that? Who is Perez? Perez is the son of Judah and Tamar. We got it right there. Now, if you wanna go read one of those chapters in the Bible that when you read it, you kind of feel like you need to take a shower, okay? You know what I'm talking about. Go read Genesis chapter 38, okay? Genesis chapter 38 is where we see the birth of Perez and how Tamar deceived Judah, her father-in-law, into sleeping with her and bearing a son, it's, it's kind of icky, okay? So if you wanna go read that, go read it. But why in the world then would these elders be praising this? One reason, Perez ended up having many, many, many offspring. Okay, five of the families or tribes of Judah came from his line. He is one of the founders of Bethlehem. So the, the city leaders in Bethlehem are going, I want you to be like Perez, man. We all know him. His line was amazingly blessed. And no matter how it came to pass, I don't think that's what the elders are referencing here. He was a great man with a great family and we hope for you, Boaz, that you will have the same favor and blessing. So really, this is all still great praise. Verses 13 through 16. So Boaz took Ruth. I, I wish they changed that language. It sounds like possession, but obviously Boaz loves her. Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. They got hitched. The love story's over, except for the baby. So in the next phrase, when he made love to her, if you have a King James version, uh, it's translated much more clinically. Okay, I like the NIV because it's sweet. He made love to her, his wife, on their honeymoon. I don't know. It was beautiful. The Hebrew, and therefore the King James Version, is not as lovey-dovey. It's very clinical. And since we're not in biology class, we'll just leave it at that. But if you're reading a different version, you're going, where does it say made love? It's, it's, that's a bad translation. The Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Uh, just a very small side note. I want you to see how God is involved in the creation of all life. 
that God enabled her to conceive. It's, it's beautiful. I just want to see that. That's not the point of the text. The women then said to Naomi, <clears throat> okay, so we're fast forward 10 months. The women of the community come around Naomi. Naomi's the mother-in-law, okay? She's the grandmother now. They come along beside her and they say, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. And you're going, wait, 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 I thought Boaz was the redeemer. I thought Boaz redeemed the land and all that. Yes, but track with me. Boaz, by redeeming the land of Elimelech, would keep the name of Elimelech, Naomi's dead husband, alive in the tribe of Israel. Okay, so he's doing that through the offspring of this son, or through this son, not necessarily just through the buying of the land. He's gonna take care of Ruth, but Naomi at this point is still kind of out in the open until this child is born, until Obed comes to be. So the women come around her and like, yes, grandma, you now have someone who's gonna take care of you. Now I'm not a grandparent. My eldest son is seven, so I'm hopefully ways away from that. Um, but there's this beautiful passage in Proverbs 17, 6. Let's jump down there and we'll come back. In Proverbs 17, 6, it says, grandchildren are the crown of the elderly. And it, everyone who's a grandparent just said amen. Did you hear that? They're a crown. And anytime it says that a crown or a jewel around your neck, it's, it's something that honors you. It's something that you are filled with joy for. And children are that. I want you to see that children bring life. Not just they are life, they bring life. I know there's many in the room who maybe haven't had children, but children bring life to our circumstances. I can remember when my mom died, this is years ago, Bryce, our seven-year-old, was only six months old. Okay, six months old. But if we had not had Bryce sitting there in the hospital, you know, at, running around at the funeral, like he didn't know. He didn't know what was going on. So he just laughed and smiled and giggled. And man, it, it's truly warmed my soul to see that, to see that life. And that's, that's what kids do. So let, let me just throw this out there. This is not the point of the text either. To the parents in the room, especially to the grandparents, you probably get this better, but to the parents, there's nothing more beautiful than to see the reflection of God in your children. There's nothing more beautiful than that. But I will say this, as a parent, you have to look. You have to look, you have to look intently. Because when you see God in your child, when you see the blessing that they are, it brings you joy. And that's what these women know, that's what they're praising over Naomi. Yes, you're gonna be cared for, yes, it's gonna be good, but this child brought Naomi life and joy. And do you remember where she was at when she returned to Bethlehem? Do you remember? She, wanted, she was cursing God. She said that everything that happened was God's fault. She said, just call me bitterness. Just call, uh, my, my name can't even be Naomi anymore. I'm so bitter. Yet through Boaz, through Ruth, through Obed, she now has joy again. And it's just wonderful and beautiful how that happens. Going back up to, we'll start in verse 14. The women said to Naomi, praise the Lord who this day has, has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. Boy, they are just all excited about the line of this family becoming famous. And we will see that that comes true. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. It's, it's kind of cool 
how life has a cycle, right? You have a child, you care for that child, and then in your old age, hopefully that child cares for you. You know, and if, if you're thinking like, oh, yeah, I hope so too. Um, but Naomi now has someone who will care for her, but it turns out that in the infancy of Obed, she's gonna care for him. It's this beautiful, beautiful cycle. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. So some people are saying that Ruth like abandoned her child. Um, if you've ever been around a mama bear grandmother, Na Ruth did not abandon her child. Naomi took her child and held that child and rocked that child and was going to make sure that that child had everything under the sun. So Ruth is still there, but Naomi took the child, Obed, and cared for it. Um, let's go back to verse 15 because I actually skipped over one line. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Naomi had two sons. So, so what are these women saying? What, what are they, uh, Ruth's better than seven sons. So she's never had seven sons. How, how is that possible? In the Hebrew, the number seven is number perfection. And so what these women are saying is, is really pretty cool about Ruth. They're saying even if you had the perfect number of sons, Ruth would still be better than all of them. And she's the daughter-in-law. She's the one who's holding it all together. That's really high praise for Ruth. Verse 17, the women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse and the father of David. It's King David. Now, this is the only time in scripture where it says that someone other than the parents named the child. I think that's kind of unique. And I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, but that is a little strange, right? Like Ruth and Boaz are sitting there, ah, he looks like a Peter. And the women come up and they're like, Obed, got it. Call him Obed, he looks like an Obed to me. Now, the name means servant, which is appropriate. The women are saying that he will serve Naomi, he will care for her, but it also means worshiper. And those are beautiful terms. And if Obed grows into those names, it's pretty amazing. We see an infant who will become the grandfather of David, through whose line we receive Jesus. It's pretty amazing, considering Elimelech, Naomi's dead husband, his name would have been blotted out of the history of Israel had Boaz not stepped in and done what he did. Had Obed not come. And now, now not just did his name get redeemed, but he's listed in Matthew chapter one, the genealogy of Jesus. It's pretty amazing how God can turn any circumstance around. And I want you to hear that, okay, because we're almost done with Ruth. Boaz is the primary character that I want us to see and study and learn from because he's a picture of Jesus. But if there's one thing that you take away from our time in the book of Ruth, it is simply that that there is no circumstance in this world that God is not over, that God cannot control, and that God cannot turn around. It may take years. It may take going a direction you're not thinking you were gonna go, but God is in control. And this story, I think, proves it. Boaz, once again, is that picture of Jesus. We'll unpack that a little bit more, but we've got a genealogy to read. A 10-generation genealogy starting with Perez and going to David, found in verses 18 through 22. 
So you have this beautiful book of Ruth, all this amazing love and redemption and all this, and then it ends with five verses of a genealogy. And the reason being that last name is huge. So let's finish Ruth. This then is the family line of Perez. Why do they go back to Perez? They could have gone back to Abraham. Why, why, why do they go back to Perez? Remember, he's famous. He's the famous one. So the reason there's 10 generations starting with Perez and going to David is because you start with a famous one in Bethlehem, you end with a famous one in Bethlehem, and you show how God moved in between. That's the author's prerogative. Some people have said that there's a 10-generation genealogy here because a Moabite was not allowed to come into the assembly of God for 10 generations. Okay, remember that verse from like week two? Some, some say that's why I think they just picked famous people and filled in the gap. So this is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amenadab. Amenadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. I'm gonna stop there. I am all for animal names. Like, you, your name's Ram, that's awesome. Okay, Ram, Bear, Stallion, like I, all, all great names. Salmon, mm-mm. Salmon is weak sauce. Like, if you're gonna go animal name, go Great White Shark, or you know, like, go opposite of salmon. But we've got a ram and a salmon now. And Salmon just happened to be the father of Boaz. Okay, Boaz is a cool name. Can you imagine? Hey, Salmon. This is horrible. Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, of course, was the father of David. And folks, we're done with Ruth. Now, in conclusion for today and really for the book, told you, Boaz, the main character, we need, we need to learn from him, primarily. And we've, we've done that about every week. He's pictured Jesus, here's how. What I want us to walk away with, Boaz was the kinsman redeemer for Ruth. Ruth had Obed. Obed becomes grandfather of David. It's, it's so cool how that all works. But in order to be a kinsman redeemer, there were four characteristics or four things that you had to be able to validate. And if Boaz is a picture of Jesus, then what Boaz had to do for Ruth, Jesus does for us. And so in order to redeem, here, here are the four requirements to redeem someone or something in the Old Testament. They had to be a near kinsman. That's number one. They had to be family. Hebrews 2.11, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Jesus is family. And better stated, he wants us to be his family. He's a near redeemer. Requirement number two, they must be willing to redeem. Okay, if you wanna go back up to Genesis 38, once again, we're not gonna go there. The reason that Tamar had to deceive her father-in-law was because when her husband died before giving her a child, the brother who was supposed to step in and fulfill the role said no. He was unwilling to redeem, okay? So she took matters into her own hands. So Jesus is willing to redeem us. 1 John 4, 14. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son 
to be the savior of the world. Now you go, where does that talk about Jesus' intent to save? God sent Jesus to save the world. Awesome. Love it, but that's God the Father. He sent the Son to do this. John 4, 34. Jesus speaking. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So once again, you're going, how's that desire? Well, because he's saying what sustains me, what brings me life and brings me joy is to do the will of the Father. And the will of the Father is that all men might be saved. And it brings Jesus great joy to do the will of the Father. And do you wanna know why I love that? I don't know, we're trying to make this touchy-feely like Jesus loves you and wants to redeem you, but even beyond you, Jesus is faithful and obedient to God, the will of God. And that's a beautiful truth that we can't ever lose. The third requirement, okay, the third requirement is that the redeemer must be free themselves. Slave cannot redeem another slave. Okay, it doesn't work that way. The redeemer must be free, free to do so. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We are not okay, people. We are sinful. We cannot be righteous on our own, but there is one who is free from sin. Only one. His name is Jesus, and therefore he is the only one who can redeem us from sin. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Thank you, Jesus. As the band comes back up here, the fourth requirement, the fourth requirement, the redeemer must have the price of redemption. There's a a dollar sign on the redemption. Boaz had to write a check to redeem the land of Elimelech. There's a price of redemption. Hebrews 9, verse 12. He did not enter by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Hebrews is a fun book, a lot of Old Testament illustrations in the book of Hebrews. But the way that the priests or the way people would redeem themselves, would would cover over their sins was the sacrifice of animals, the sacrifice of goats, the sacrifice of calves. This happened, their blood was shed and that blood covered over the one or two sins that you were trying to atone by that blood, but Jesus didn't do that. He didn't pay the price with a calf or with a goat, but with his own blood. He paid the bill, church. He paid the bill that we couldn't pay for ourselves and it cost him his life. And if there's anything that I want us to learn from Boaz, who willingly and lovingly gave everything he had to redeem Ruth, as pretty as that story is, there's a better one in the form of Jesus. There's a better one in the form of Jesus. So, Ruth, awesome. Love the book of Ruth, love Ruth herself. Awesome gal. Uh, Everyone in Bethlehem loved her. Boaz, amazing man. Like, no doubt about it. Boaz, world-class dude. You, you hope your sons grow up to be like Boaz, okay? Boaz, great man. Obed, we don't hear much about him, but he's a good grandson to Naomi, or at least he was supposed to be. Obed, good dude. David, he's mentioned in here. He killed Goliath. David brought the, 
Brought worship back to Jerusalem. David, David's big. But the fact is that from his line, the line of Boaz, Obed, and David, would come Jesus. And it's Jesus that we celebrate. Awesome story, awesome people. Purpose, they brought us Jesus. And that's who we need. So today, as we celebrate, today as we respond and as we worship, I hope and I pray that we celebrate Jesus. That we thank him for who he is, that he is our redeemer, that he paid the price that we could not pay for ourselves. I hope that just resonates through us. We have communion in the back of the rooms. It'd be a great, great opportunity to go and say thank you as you're reminded of the blood that Jesus shed for your redemption. Really good idea today. I suggest you do it. We'll have people up here, pastors and prayer team, that love to pray with you, just like we do every week. But maybe more so today than maybe you did last week. Or Can you just please take a moment to think about what Jesus did and what he accomplished for you and just see what your heart's response is to that. I think it should be celebration and worship today, but it's also gonna cause you to live differently. It's going to cause you to live with more gratitude for who Jesus is and what he's done. It's, that's gonna cause you to want to serve others and be obedient to the Father just as Jesus is obedient to the Father. All of these things start when we see who Jesus is and what he's done. So a lot of times we wanna fix ourselves. We wanna behavior modification. That's what we're looking for. I find that doesn't work very well. But true love and true worship and service that comes out of those, that changes you. And it all starts with Jesus. You get it? Awesome. Father, we pray that you would receive your praise. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the book of Ruth and the story that it tells us. And God, we pray today that we would worship you. And that we'd worship you in spirit and truth. And that you would be honored and glorified. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. And let's respond to him.